You're listening to Semper Reform on the Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life. There are many people who do not want to hear the truth because it will shake up the false hope they have that they're going into heaven when indeed they are not. Christ is our King. Scripture is our law. Scripture and the laws of our country now collide head on. Now, just to make it clear, we don't bow down to Caesar. So what does Paul do when he gets his big shot at the Areopagus? Watch him. Now, not only has Paul not compromised in order to get here, but once he's here, he says, your worldview is wrong, your philosophy is wrong, it's not just wrong, it's an affront to God, you ought to know better, you're in sin. But the good news is, God has extended to you an opportunity to repent. All right, thank you for tuning in to uh, another episode with us. Uh, my name is Tim Shaughnessy, and uh, I am here with my co-host, Carlos Montijo. How's it going, Carlos? Not too bad. Um, we have a great show for you today. We're, we're going to take a break from the series that we've been doing. I think we've done uh, five episodes on the LGBTQ agenda, and... I, th- I think we can probably wrap it up with one more episode, but we're going to go ahead and take a break from that, and um, we're going to, we're going to uh, uh, cover a topic that we discussed on the Bible Thumping Wingnut with uh, Tim and Len, and that is apologetics. Today we're going to be uh, covering the sort of the differences between the transcendental argument. Uh, the, the way that the, the Clarkian would use a transcendental argument and the way that the Ventilian apologists or presuppositionalists would use the transcendental argument. And have you, uh, have you had any experience talking to uh, any Ventilian apologists about this, Carlos? Not, not the, uh, the professional guys. I've mm-hmm. talked to other people who are Ventilian, uh, mainly on Facebook. What's your, um, do they, do, how do they usually respond when you talk to them? Because I've talked to a couple of guys. I, I've talked to uh, Jeff Durbin and Saitan uh, Brugenkate about uh, this, and uh, they're usually not really receptive to Clark, unfortunately. Um, and, and it seems that they have a lot of misconceptions about Clark, and they, they, basically just repeat a lot of uh a lot of old information that's wrong yeah i forgot about that when we tried to uh correct uh jeff durbin and his gang on facebook about the misrepresentations that oliphant was making of clark and yeah i remember we were also talking to Sai Sai about that stuff and uh yeah it's because a lot of times the professors, the Vantillion professors, they don't know anything about Clark, or they may have read one or two things by him like years ago. Uh, so they they don't they don't really encourage you to read Clark, and so what ends up happening tends to become a a very one-sided monologue where they don't even really know uh, Clark's writings themselves, uh, including the professors. So. You have a really you have a recipe for disaster when that happens. Yeah, and it seems that a, a lot of them uh, just basically pull from the same resources. Uh, Bonson uh, was uh, pretty critical of Clark's view in uh, his his famous book Apologetics. Uh, no, presupp- what, what is it? Presuppositionalism, Apologetics, Stated and Defended, or something like that. And um, yeah. You know, Gary Crampton wrote a refutation of uh, Bonson's critique of Clark, and and that's up on the Trinity Foundation. But 
this was the uh, th the way that I see this is sort of like we're, we're coming at this uh, in the same way that uh, Priscilla and Aquila went to Apollos in Acts uh, eighteen twenty four through twenty six. Uh, it reads: Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And that's, you know, probably what's going to happen today is we're, we're probably going to step on a lot of toes. Um, we're, we're basically going to say that the way that the Vantilian presuppositionalist is going about it is actually wrong, that they're, they're not actually presuppositionalists, that they're not actually, uh, it, it seems like they make a, a lot of uh, elementary logical blunders like that, you know, if you if you just understood, if you knew basic logic you you wouldn't say these things you, but but at the same time I mean we do see that they're out there uh that that they're boldly proclaiming Christ that they know they they know the scriptures uh they know the gospel and they are brothers in Christ and so in in the same sense in which Priscilla and Aquila went to Apollos were wanting to come alongside them and teach them a more accurate way of doing apologetics, which is the Clarkian presuppositionalist, which is basically the, the right and real presuppositionalist view. So to uh, in an effort to make sure that we don't misrepresent anybody, we're going to play some, uh, we're, we're going to play some, some clips from Bonson and what we're going to be tackling is basically this question. Can you prove the existence of God? And we would, we would hold the position that no, you cannot prove the existence of God. But we would also hold the position that it's not necessary to try to prove the existence of God. So whenever I, whenever I speak to, uh, to a Vantilian apologist, what I what I point out is that you shouldn't spend an inordinate amount of time trying to prove to somebody what they already know. In Romans one, we're told that every person knows that God exists and that they're suppressing the truth and their unrighteousness. So, why spend the the bulk of your apologetic endeavor trying to prove to somebody what they already know? And I I think it's worth pointing out that Luther said that it was foolishness to try to prove the existence of God. And the the position that, that we hold is that it's it's neither possible nor is it necessary to prove the existence of God because everybody already knows God and they have to assume God. So why why do you think Carlos, why do you think that people just want to because I, I think I think that being able to prove the existence of God is a position that most people want to take. Most people, I mean, I, I have a I have a friend who calls me up and asks me questions all the time, and you know, sometimes he'll be like, "I, I want to prove, I want to prove them wrong. I want to prove the existence of God, or I want to prove that the Bible's true." And why do you why do you think that? I mean, that that just seems to be a position that people, I think people want to hear that, yes, we can prove that God exists. Yes, we can prove uh, that Christianity is true. And most people would tune us out. As soon as we say, no, you can't prove the existence of God, most people would, would sort of tune us out because it's not a position that they like or that they want to hear. Yeah, I'm not sure why they would uh, try to prove their assumptions or their starting points i think it has to do something with the fact that for the most uh, for most of the history of the church uh the apologetic history of the church they've there is a long precedent for doing that um going all the way back to 
uh, Aquinas and before, way way before him too. And you have the uh, the what do you call them? Uh, William Paley with the watchmaker argument. All of those different things tends to focus a lot on on trying to prove uh, the Bible or that God exists and things like that. And so I think a lot of it simply has to do with the fact that the more well-known apologists of the past did it did it wrongly. Well, I think I think it's a little bit more than that because. I remember when I started out in apologetics, I I wanted to prove that the Bible ex, uh, that the Bible was real, uh, not that it was real. I wanted to prove that the Bible was true and that God existed. And I remember I, I used to say things like, you know, oh, archaeology confirms the Bible, that science confirms the Bible, uh, that uh, and not even realizing that when I was doing that. Well, first of all. Science can't prove anything, and archaeology, even if you could prove that every event in, in the Bible happened, even if you could, you could prove that through archaeology, which you can't, but even if you could, you couldn't prove any of the theological implications behind any of those events. And the other thing is that whenever you're doing apologetics, I mean, people come up to you because I think a lot of people have this notion that science has proved the Bible false. And so they'll say, you know, science has proved that the earth is billions of years old, and so therefore Genesis can't be true. That science has proven that evolution is fact. So therefore, you know, you, you can't. There is no God who's created us. And when you when you when you talk to these people, they demand proof. You know, prove to me that the Bible's true, or prove to me that God, that your God exists. And a lot of times they're very, very antagonistic. As a matter of fact, I was watching some Saiten Bruggenkate uh, videos, and some of these, some of these college students, they just come up and they just start spouting off at the mouth. I mean, they really do embody the the fool who uh, I think it's Proverbs uh, eighteen two that says uh, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. And they really do embody that, and I think that a lot of times Christians fall into this uh, this trap of, well, I need to, in order for me to get through to them, I need to prove to them that the Bible's true, or that God exists. Yeah, I guess on the other side of, on the other side, on the other hand, you have a lot of apologists and and po popular level apologetics. Uh, really feeds feeds to this notion of trying to prove to sinners or to unbelievers that that God is that the God that, that God exists or that the, the Bible is true and they use archaeology and science and all those things to bolster their claims and there's nothing wrong with that per se there's nothing wrong with using science or archaeology but it becomes a problem when you try to prove uh, when you try to prove the Bible uh, based on those things because now you're you're abandoning your foundation because the Bible itself is supposed to be the highest uh, authority, and so I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians, and even even the the more professional apologists, uh, it really boils down to a, a misunderstanding or a misapplication of of logic and and not not understanding what proof means, uh, at least in the formal sense, as opposed to evidences and things like that. So. I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot at play uh, with when talking about apologetics and these kinds of things. But I think, uh, I would, yeah, I would say that on the other hand, you have a lot of that. Th there's a lot of there's a very severe lack of basic understanding of logic, and that's not to say that these people are stupid or illogical or anything. It's just um, they they probably haven't learned it properly, or ha they've not they haven't been taught correctly. Right, and that's and, and that's that's perfect because that's exactly what we're trying to get at. Is you know, in in the same way that Apollos was boldly proclaiming uh, the uh, uh, the gospel, Priscilla and Aquila had to come alongside him and and uh, teach him a more correct way. Or teach him the way of God more accurately, and and that's that's basically what we're after. So let's uh, with that being said, um, let's go ahead and play a. I have a few clips, um, 
from uh, Bonson. And uh, what we're going to be looking at is the transcendental argument. So, which, which is to, uh, it's an argument that presuppositionalists use all the time. And uh, the, the, the Ventile apologists will use it as a proof, an indirect proof for the existence of God. And the Clarkian would use it as an ad hominem reply to reduce your opponent's position to absurdity. But, and just to, to add to that a little bit, I actually just remembered how there is another problem in Christianity that tends to, 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 it tends to have a lot of sway because it sounds pious and it sounds uh, very holy to say things like, uh, you know, we can't, we can't ever truly understand God. And, and be, be, those movements in church and I guess in church history and uh, uh, people who basically do logic or they don't really, um, they, they, they try to sound pious, but in reality, it's just a, uh, you're just being irrational or illogical. And I think that has been one of the main catalysts, um, at least the, the, the latter part of, of uh, this century and the previous one, or more recently, in other words. But I think uh, that has a lot to do with the, you know, because if you don't think that it's even possible in the first place to try to argue the Bible consistently, then you're not going to try to do that. So, I mean, uh, I think a lot of that has has caused uh, many problems, not just not just in apologetics, but in I mean in Christianity uh, as a whole. Uh, just because if you're not consistent and if you don't understand logic, it's going to affect other areas as well. And uh, which is partly why I think the Trinity Foundation is such a, a tremendous a corrective, uh, a, a very beneficial corrective for, to the church. And ministries like that who, who emphasize discernment and logic and having a right understanding of how logic relates to the Bible and apologetics and, and things like that, because that's very important to it. This is it's basic. This stuff is fundamental. I mean, you can't do without it. Yeah. Um, OK, let me uh, let me go ahead and play some. Uh, all right. So we're, we're going to go ahead and play some clips from uh, from Bonson. Uh, so here we go. I suggest that we can prove the existence of God from the impossibility of the contrary. The transcendental proof for God's existence is that without him, it is impossible to prove anything. The atheist worldview is irrational and cannot consistently provide the preconditions of intelligible experience, science, logic, or morality. The atheist worldview cannot allow for laws of logic, the uniformity of nature, the ability for the mind to understand the world, and moral absolutes. And in that sense, the atheist worldview cannot account for our debate tonight. All right, so, so right there, uh, Bonson, uh, he basically uh, says that you can prove God through the impossibility of the contrary. And we're just going to say that that's not, that's not right. Uh, we, we've heard a lot of uh, Ventilian apologists use that phraseology, uh, use that terminology, you know, that we can, we can prove the existence of God through the impossibility of the contrary. What's, uh, what's wrong with that, Carlos? Uh, it's like we've been saying, it's a, it's a misapplication of, of basic logic uh, because, well, it, there's a more fundamental error uh, underlying this that uh, comes from Van, the Van Til school of thought because it, from what I've understood, uh, Van Til made metaphysics prior to epistemology. And so that's why you'll hear uh, other Van Tilians like Bonson say that, you know, unless God exists, you can't have these, these necessary preconditions or whatever. Uh, but in, in reality, the, it's a misunderstanding of what you're actually trying to argue because when you're talking about apologetics, uh, this, this is supposed to be relating to um, epistemology. And really epistemology is, is the primary, is the foundational uh, question that needs to be answered before anything else because if you say uh, what is, you know, uh, if you're talking about metaphysics and describing reality or what is, um, 
you all you have to do is simply take a step back and say how do you know and so that is one of the fundamental errors that pervades all of Vantillian theology and apologetics included uh, is the fact that they make metaphysics prior to epistemology and uh, and it's in addition to that it's obviously you can't you know when he's trying to prove uh, the existence of God by the impossibility of the contrary I mean that that itself it, it's just so odd for somebody of Bonson's because Bonson was a very smart guy I mean he, he has he has a uh, he's very well studied and it's just a little surprising that he would say something like that because um, anybody who knows uh, uh, logic uh, just b simple basic logic would know that uh, contraries uh, can can be false uh, that just because you prove the impossibility of the contrary doesn't mean that the that uh, the other contrary or, or the other the opposite view uh, can is is necessarily true it can also be false the only way you could do that is by proving is a proof by contradiction not by the contrary and so it, it just seems odd to me that I don't know if maybe he meant to say contradictory and, and if he did then why didn't he just say contradictory I don't I don't understand like where this comes from or why why it's such a a problem for Vantillians to, to just I mean maybe it just comes from the fact that they they esteemed Vantil and and Vantil you know I guess he he didn't really uh, apply logic very properly the way uh, the way it's defined the way it's meant to be used so I think I don't I'm not sure if that's why but it, it's a little surprising to, to be committing those just such egregious errors like that when it's it's not something that it's not that difficult to 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 understand or to figure out yeah that's a good point and it's pretty remarkable that uh, somebody like you said somebody of Bonson's caliber would uh, say say that and it's also remarkable that Vantilian presuppositionalists uh, continue to say things like that and you know uh, I, I Jeff and uh, Jeff Durbin and Saitim Brunkate they're not the only ones that have I've talked to about this but I, I, was, I was speaking to another individual um, who w was a Vantillian presuppositionalist and he basically said that the reason that they they say the impossibility of the contrary is just because it, it sounds better they don't want to go around saying the impossibility of the contradictory because it doesn't sound very good but the problem with that is that if you if you're gonna go out there and you're going to attempt to refute atheists or refute uh, other worldviews or uh, do apologetics that way it's a real problem because people are gonna see right through that people are gonna see that that's uh, that's obviously wrong and um, you, you know they're, they're gonna see the mistake in that and uh, you know uh, Gary Crampton actually um, uh, has written uh, quite extensively on this and uh, I think his articles on the Trinity Foundation have been extremely helpful to me personally and just understanding the problems that Ventil apologists face so I'm gonna go ahead and read uh, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna read at length from his article Ventil Ventil's apologetics reading and analysis um, and let me let me pull it up here uh, Crampton writes uh, well, the, the other point that I, I want to make from this article is that uh, Crampton points out that um, if you're a presuppositionalist then um, it's it's an oxymoron to say that you're a presuppositionalist and then try to offer proof for God's existence or try to prove that God exists uh, and he, he says uh, some of the same uh, points that you make he says uh, first Cornelius Van Til, who is often thought of as a staunch presuppositionalist is not a presuppositionalist why because he believes there are proofs for the existence of God as cited by Dr. Bonson, Ventil writes, I do not reject theistic proofs, but merely insist on formulating them in such a way 
as not to compromise the doctrines of Scripture. There is a natural theology that is legitimate, and when proofs are thus formulated on this Christian basis, they have absolute probative force. This is true, we are told, of the ontological proof, the cosmological proof, and the teleological proof. Dr. Bonson, in summarizing his teacher's position, states, Van Til did not sweepingly and indiscriminately discard theistic proofs. He affirmed quite boldly that the arguments for the existence of God, when properly construed, is indeed objectively valid. Uh, so, uh, Crampton goes on to write, When one formulates the use of proofs on a Christian basis, so it is alleged, this is the presuppositional method, that is, these proofs are presuppositional theistic proofs, an oxymoron if there ever was one. It is significant that John Frame, an ardent Ventilian, sees through this supposition. He disagrees with Dr. Ventil and Dr. Bonson that there is such a thing as an absolute certain proof for Christianity. He writes, What now has what now becomes a Ventil's claim that there is an absolutely certain argument for Christian theism? He seems to think that transcendental arguments, which are negative arguments, and th this is me, um, he, he points out that, that transcendental arguments are negative arguments, and that's basically just to say that they're arguments of falsification, not verification. Um, he, uh, he, he says... Uh, let me read that last sentence. He, meaning Dr. Ventil, seems to think that transcendental arguments, which are negative arguments, uh, are absolutely certain. But I have, I think, cast some doubt upon the clarity of these concepts and the legitimacy of Ventil's attempt to limit the apologetic to these types of arguments. Mr. Frame goes on to show that all such theistic proofs, including Dr. Van Thiel's, are nothing more than probability arguments. In a most telling statement, he correctly concludes, there is less distance between Van Thiel's apologetic and the traditional apologetics than, than most partisans on either side, including Van Thiel himself, have been willing to admit. Now, I'm not, I'm not really sure um, why he says that uh, that most partisans on either side, um, because I think that Clarkians would be willing to admit that quite readily. Uh, but let's let's continue. He uh, he goes on to write, uh, Dr. Van Thiel's supposed absolute proof of Christian theism is frequently referred to as the transcendental argument, that is, arguing from the impossibility of the contrary. Dr. Van Thiel. Now, now Crampton's, uh, Crampton continues, Dr. Van Thiel makes this bold statement. So this is a quote from uh, Van Thiel, and this is, uh, this is where it, it gets really important because um, this shows the, uh, the fallacy being made. Uh, Dr. Van Thiel makes this bold statement. The theistic proofs, therefore, reduce to one proof. Okay, so he's admitting that this is a proof. Then the theistic proofs uh, therefore reduce to one proof. The proof which argues that unless this God, the God of the Bible, the ultimate beginning, the creator, the controller of the universe, be presupposed as the foundation of human experience, this experience operates in a void. This one proof is absolutely convincing. So there he he quotes uh, he, he quotes Ventil arguing that basically in order to prove God you have to presuppose God. Now that's problematic because if if you can prove a presupposition then it's not a presupposition. There's no reason to presuppose it because there's something prior to it. Um, so this is this is uh, pretty confused uh, and, and Crampton's going to point this out. He goes on to say, understandably then Dr. Bonson is openly critical of Gordon Clark who denies the validity of the theistic proofs altogether. Dr. Clark, he writes, is a, is a dogmatist who believes that the Bible is to be our indemonstrable axiomatic starting point. Dr. Ventil writes Dr. Bonson with Dr. Ventil writes Dr. Bonson with approbation, recoiled at this notion. 
However, it, is it not obvious that by definition a presupposition is not provable? And if one is a presuppositionalist, he cannot logically believe in the legitimate use of theistic proofs for the existence of God. And that, that's basically what we're pointing out is that a, a presupposition is, is synonymous to an assumption. Uh, the, the Clarkian would uh, say that it's, it's, uh, it's an axiom. And, and and rightfully so because these uh these are uh you know th these are assumptions that can't be proven and it, it's really interesting because here we have a quote from uh Van Thiel himself saying that the ultimate proof is um dependent upon God being presupposed and uh we we have uh, people like uh Saiten Brugenkate who say that you know that that Bonson uh, and Ventil didn't uh, didn't think of God as as an axiom that that they didn't hold God as an as an axiom, um, and there's really there's really no I mean it's a distinction without a difference. But let's uh, let's let's continue reading. I, I want to read this last part. Uh, he says um, uh, Crampton goes on to write. Notwithstanding, Dr. Bonson and Ventil wanted to believe that there is a Christian basis upon which to base the theistic proofs, rendering them objectively valid, having absolute probative force. But the most overtly difficult, but the most overt difficulty, is that if one formulates his argument for God's existence on the basis of Christian theism, then there is no theistic proof at all, and no point in construing constructing proofs. It is simply divine revelation, not an argument for God or his word. One has already assumed God's existence. To proceed to prove it is not only superfluous, but an obvious case of begging the question. It's a fallacy. And uh, I'm just going to conclude with this last part from this article. He says, as a matter of fact, if all other known worldviews can be shown to be false, Dr. Bonson here, uh, and he points out that Dr. Bonson here sets himself an impossible task for he, di he did not and he could not examine all their known, uh, let alone possible worldviews. He says, as a matter of fact, if all other known worldviews could be shown to be false, this would still not prove Christian the uh, Christianity to be true. Furthermore, to argue from the impossibility of the contrary cannot prove Christianity true. One must argue from the impossibility of the contradictory. And when when they offer, this is interesting because uh, people will try to correct, uh, basically correct the, vent uh, the the Clarkian criticism by saying that Bonson's proof is not a proof by deduction, but that Bonson's proof or the Ventilian uh, proof is an indirect proof, and, and that's basically the same thing as saying. That it's a, a, they're saying that it's a proof by contradiction. Um, so, and that that's what uh, that's what Crampton here is is pointing out that you can't say, just just like uh, you pointed out a little while ago, that you can't say um, that it's a proof by the impossibility of the contradictory. That you have to say that it's a proof by contradiction. But even even saying that it's a proof by contradiction doesn't. Uh, really help the case, and and I think uh, we'll get into that in a little while. Um, one must argue. I'm going to uh, continue reading Crampton. He says he writes one must argue from the impossibility of the contrary, uh, contradictory, because contraries may both be false. But worst of all, for the Ventilian enterprise, one can know that all of the worldviews are false only on the basis of Scripture. The wisdom of this world is foolishness. Paul's conclusion is not the result of the impossible. And I think uh, that's, let me look up the verse uh, just as a reference. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 3.19. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't look it up before. Uh, so sorry about that. Um, let me continue reading. Uh, and I, it, of course, uh, it's cited in the article, but these are highlights from the article. Um he says, one must, um, he says, the wisdom of, of this world is foolishness. Paul's conclusion is not the result of the impossible induction that Dr. Bonson and Ventil set before us. 
as an allegedly absolute proof. Paul's conclusion is information revealed from God. Unless one starts with Scripture, that is, with Christianity, one cannot get to God or demonstrate the foolish the foolishness of human wisdom uh, either. And what's what's really interesting um, is that uh, I think uh, you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take a break here in a little bit. But um, when we when we get back from the break, uh, what I want to point out is that so right here. Crampton, uh, Crampton points out that uh, basically what we've already said that it's a, uh, it has to be an um, uh, an argument uh, approved by contradiction, and then he he says that Bonson sets himself up an impo an impossible task because you can't you can't uh, and and th this is also why it fails as a proof by contradiction because um, Christian theism is not the only other alternative to atheism. There's uh, there's other possibilities, and we'll, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break as well. But he, he points out that um, Bonson uh, uh, sets himself up an impossible task because he can't, uh, he, he can't complete the induction. And when, whenever you, you hear the Ventilian um, talk about induction, they just... Uh, say that the the atheistic worldview can't account for the principle of induction that is that the future will be like the past but the clarkian actually points out that uh induction unless it's complete is a fallacy and what crampton is pointing out here is that you can't examine all other worldviews so it's an induction that that you can't ever complete well what's interesting is that i think i think certain ventilians know about this criticism and uh, this is why uh, guys like Saito and Bruggenkate will actually say it's not by induction, it's by scripture. So it's actually a proof by deduction. And it, it would appear that Saito and Bruggenkate is aware of this criticism uh, because uh, we're going to play a clip in which he, uh, that God is not a presupposition, that he's a precondition. Um, and then he points out that Bonson uh, believed that the only the only way that he could know that God um, the, the the only way that he could know that all of the worldviews were false was was on the basis of Scripture. And uh, we'll we'll point out what the problem with that is as well because it doesn't save the position. It doesn't save the uh, the Ventilian uh, position. So let's go ahead and listen to uh, that clip. I'm saying that God is not an axiom, he's a necessary precondition, there's a difference. And there's even some divisions within the presuppositional camp who say God is an axiom. Because an axiom is something that is not provable. Because you have said that an axiom is a necessary truth. That's not a definition of an axiom. Well, that's my definition of axiom. You well, you can, you can, you can say an axiom is green cheese. But you have to go with a philosophical definition of something that's not provable. I have to. Well, you don't have to. You can, you can call it something else. But then, you know, it's no sense debating me who wants to use actual definitions. <laughs> Is, as long as we're clear on what the term means, then, I mean, that's what language is all about. Okay. Is that is conveys conceptual cargo because the transmitter and the receiver have the same concept. Of okay, so your thing. definition of action is a necessary truth. It's a necessary Okay, now my hypothetical action is that God exists, and I'm saying that's a necessary truth. But you're supporting your axiom. No, I'm saying if you don't start there, no, it's, axi it's axiomatic. God exists. That's that's the axiom. God exists. Okay. You have an axiom because of the impossibility of the contrary. Right. Okay. Which is what Greg Bonson said. It's the impossibility. Well, no, Greg. I, I trust me. I know a lot about his teaching. He says by the impossibility of the contrary, but he does not call God an axiom. I agree with that. Okay. But he uses the, the justification of the if you would, depending on the use of justification. Okay. Now the question is that this is. I'm actually very glad you brought this up because a lot of presuppositions don't get this. How did Greg Bonson know that the contrary is impossible? Well, that's a good question. How do you know the contrary is well, impossible? Well, you've studied this. How does he know the contrary is impossible? I'm a relative amateur. I've only well, I'll been involved for a few months. There's only one way you can know. It's not by refuting all the other worldviews. That's not how we know that the contrary is impossible. Do you know how we know? Because God tells us. All right, so there you have it. Uh, Saiten Bruggenkate, uh, he and, and I think I think uh, some some Christian apologists would, uh, some Christian presuppositional Ventilian apologists, that's a long title, 
would understand this, that it's impossible to prove that all other worldviews out there. I mean, there's a, a worldview is basically how you, uh, it's, it's a network of presuppositions uh, that define how you look at the world in which you live. I mean, there's, a, I think, thousands of religions. So every one of those religions holds a, a contrary worldview to the Christian faith. And it's it's impossible to prove that every other worldview is impossible. So Saitan Brunkate, he he understands that, that that this is impossible, and he acknowledges that you know Greg Bonson apparently understood this, um, and that the only way that you can know that all of the worldviews are impossible is basically what uh, what we read from Gary Crampton is is from the Bible, is through revelation. Yeah, that was a mess. That was really confused, and I was, that was really bad, because he actually said the opposite of what um, is true. He said, you can't, he said, you, you, the, the way that you can know or prove it, I guess, is not by refuting all of the other worldviews, which is impossible. It's an impossible induction, because there's an infinite amount of alternatives. And he said the way you can know or prove it is because uh, God says in the, in the Bible that that um, everything else is you know the, is foolish or whatever it's false. But that's exactly the problem. Not you're, you're, he didn't prove anything. He just stated it in the Bible. And if you were trying to prove it, you would have to. The only way you could do it is proving by the contradiction, which in this case it doesn't apply because it's impossible. They, you can't. It's an impossible induction to complete because you, you would have to sit, sit around and refute every single alternative, that 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 uh, which is there's an infinite variety of alternatives. So I mean, you would never finish. You you would never be able to finish, and that's why, it's just. I hope that people people cannot learn logic from these guys from from the Vantilian camp because they have they've made an almost a complete mess out of it and I mean it, it's just so weird because it's so it, it this is not supposed to be something difficult to to understand the differences between and you know that what you were saying about that other guy when they were trying to I guess apologize uh, defend their use of the impossibility of the contrary because it sounds better or whatever. It's like you can't you can't do that because that has a different that has a distinct meaning and logic apart from a contradiction. It's just it, it's incredibly sloppy how they and then we've talked about this before how they try to put Christianity on some pedestal that's exempt from logic and I don't mean in the in this in the sense that Christianity is better than everything else. Obviously it is, but. In the sense that they try to make it, they try to exempt it from logic, or or from like from from the demands of logic. Even though you can't do that because logic, God is logical, uh, God is logic, and therefore uh, you can't you can't you can't divorce uh, logic from God or, or the laws of logic from from the Bible and the God of the Bible. I mean that that it's it was really there's just a lot wrong with that i mean that that wasn't even everything but i mean well so so when 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 we point out that the ventilian is making a mistake by saying that uh you can prove god by the impossibility of the contrary they oftentimes will come back and say well it's not really the contrary it's it's uh proving god by the impossibility of the con contradictory because basically uh you know it, it's either god exists or either god does not exist and the problem with that is that there's those, those really aren't the two the only two options. So it's not a it's not a contradictory. Uh, it, it's not a proof by contradiction because those aren't the only two options. I mean, you could have multiple guides. And then the other thing that uh, we have to point out is that they are trying to prove the Christian God by the impossibility of the contradictory. But the but the problem is is that the the Christian theism is not the only other alternative to atheism. There's uh, there's an infinite number of uh, of other possibilities. Uh, you, you have uh, you have Islam, you have uh, Mormonism, you have Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, 
that are all uh, that that are all positions that are that are contrary to the to atheism. And so the the transcendental argument is used most often when when confronting atheists, and the you, you know even trying to make a correction and say well you know it's not really a, a proof by the by contrary it's a proof by contradiction. Well, that doesn't really save the argument. That, that, that actually doesn't save the argument at all because it's not uh, if if you're not trying to prove if you're not arguing for the for the God of the Bible the Christian. Uh, the 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 God of Christianity, then, uh, you know, you shouldn't be arguing at all. But if you can't, um, so when used as a proof, this is absolutely worthless, because you can't prove by the impossibility of the contradictory, because Christianity is not the only other possible the only other possible worldview uh, that stands in contrast to atheism uh and what's really interesting is that um bonson actually recognized that you uh that that you um bonson actually bonson actually held the position that that you have to assume god from the outset so what were you going to say were you going to add to that uh, i wanted to clarify uh, I know people are going to probably take issue with uh, what you said about that um, there are other possibility there are, that there are other possible worldviews. Um, but not what I guess what you meant to say by that is that there's just other alternatives that people have. It's not that anything outside of Christianity is possible because it's not. We wouldn't say that there's other possible alternative worldviews. You just meant to say that there's alternative uh, perspectives that people have, even though they're false, uh, that because uh, obviously, according to the Bible, Christianity is the only possible, is the only true uh, worldview, and so just wanted to clarify that because I know I've I've seen or we've seen uh, Bonson try to try to cr uh, criticize Clark on you know by reading from he I, I guess he read one sentence from God's Hammer. And try to say that, you know, try to make Clark say something that he didn't. So, about you know that that strange accidents indeed do happen and and whatnot. So, um, the the point is that there are that there are an infinite variety of alternatives to Christianity. So you can't just say, oh well, I just have to prove, uh, you know, you you wouldn't be able to prove that God is that that uh that Christianity is false. I mean, I'm sorry, you, you wouldn't be able to prove the contradiction that Christianity is not true because there is there, there is no, like, single alternative, in other words. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for doing that. Uh, I, that would have been a it's, – it's not what I'm – I'm not saying that there's other possibilities. Um, what I'm saying is that uh, – <sighs> Let, let me let me see if I can explain this. There are an infinite number of possible outlooks of the world, and so that's what I mean by there's an there's an infinite number of uh, of other worldviews. Um, so I mean you you can formulate a worldview uh, just just on your own. Um, you can you know look at the world through you know the lens of of naturalism you can look at the world view th you can look at the world through the lens of uh, materialism now that's not at all to say that any of these are are actually possible worldviews or, or that they they can uh, make sense of you know what Bonson would call the preconditions of intelligibility that they can account for the preconditions of intelligibility but uh, the the possibilities of formulating a worldview are <clears throat> um you you can't exhaust the 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 number of ways that you can look at the world but yeah thanks for uh, thanks for clarifying that because that would have been a a stumbling block i think and one thing that we've that we've touched on a little bit already another thing another problem is that uh proving the existence of god 
is a worthless endeavor. Uh, and I know that by saying that people are going to, you know, th this is so, uh, this runs contrary to so, uh, to so many, I guess, popular apologetic styles and things like that. Um, but it, it's, it really is a worthless exercise. Well, it can be useful in showing the futility of, of trying to do something like that. Um, but it's unfortunate that like uh, some of the most uh, influential apologists of the past and um, a lot of people, most popular level apologetics tries to do things like that. It, they try to prove the, that God exists and uh, maybe in some cases what they're actually saying is trying, uh, what, what we have to be careful with what we mean by God exists because I think in most cases when a Christian is saying that, he is saying that God, that God is who he says he is in the Bible. Um, but the problem is by simply saying that, by trying to prove that God, saying that God exists doesn't actually mean anything. Uh, and so this is something that's very important to, to uh, that, that's very relevant to this discussion because uh, I'll, I'll read here what Clark said in his uh, article on atheism. So in this subsection, in one of the sections called the meaninglessness of existence, he says, at first it may seem strange that knowledge of what God is is more important than knowledge that God is. His essence or nature being more important than his existence may seem unusual. So this is what I, what we were saying earlier about the uh, making metaphysics prior to epistemology. And th this is the problem that Ventilians make, um, that they pretty much all make this error. Uh, because they, they, they basically follow in the footsteps of Van Til holding to a correspondence theory of truth, which we can get into later. But um, So Clark continues, existentialists insist that existence precedes essence. Nevertheless, competent Christians disagree for two reasons. First, we have seen that pantheists identify God with the universe. What is God? The universe. The mere fact that they use the name God for the universe and thus assert that God exists is of no help to Christianity. The second reason for not being much interested in the existence of God is somewhat similar to the first. The idea existence is an idea without content. Stars exist, but this tells us nothing about the stars. Mathematics exists, but this teaches us no mathematics. Hallucinations also exist. The point is that a predicate such as existence that can be attached to everything indiscriminately tells us nothing about anything. So in other words, when you have a logical proposition, you have the subject uh, you have the copula, which is the verb to be, and then you have the predicate or the the uh, content or the definition or 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 you're saying something about the subject. And so when you make the the verb to be, the copula doesn't doesn't actually add anything to the predicate. It just connects the predicate to the subject. So in other words, you know, if I say God is holy, holy is the attribute that you are ascribing to God by the verb uh, to be. And you're you're assigning it to the God who to God who is the subject, but when you make the the predicate or the attribute existence, so you all you're saying is God is. You're not actually saying anything because you, it's like okay, well God is what to to say that God exists is just like saying God is, or and it would be the same thing to say well God is not or God does not exist and it's like. That doesn't say anything. You're not actually saying anything because the verb to be can be applied to absolutely every and any subject. So that's what Clark that, that's what Clark is explaining. Uh, so he continues, a word uh, a word to mean something must also not mean something. For example, if I say that some cats are black, the sentence has meaning only because some cats are white. If the adjective were attached to every possible subject. So all cats were black, all stars were black, and all politicians were black, as well as all numbers in arithmetic and God too, then the word black would have no meaning. It would not distinguish anything from something else. Since everything exists, exists is devoid of information. That is why the catechism, that is the, 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 the larger and shorter catechisms of the, the, the Westminster Catechism, basically, what is God, not does God exist? Now, most of contemporary authors are extremely vague as to what sort of God they are talking about. And because the term is so vague, the concept is useless. Can these authors use their God to support a belief in life after death? No ethical norms can be deduced from their God. 
More pointedly, most pointedly, their God does not speak to man. He is no better than the silence of eternity without even being interpreted by love. Quote unquote. Atheism is more realistic, more honest. If we are to combat the latter, the latter we need a different method. So, and this is actually uh, similar to what uh, Spurgeon uh, famously said uh, that that uh, pantheism. I think he said pantheism is nothing more than atheism on a fig leaf, and the reason for that is because of what Clark explained. Because if you say God is everything, then you're actually denying that God is anything because you can't say God is everything uh, and expect that to, it doesn't mean anything because God cannot be both the mountains and uh, my computer and you and I. That, that doesn't make, you're not actually saying anything. And so it's essentially just another way of saying, just another form of atheism. Uh, what, what Spurgeon was saying about a, uh, pantheism being nothing more than atheism on a fig leaf is, is because of the, what Clark just explained, that um, that if you say that God is everything, you're not actually saying that God is anything because God cannot be, God cannot be everything. Uh, you're, you're actually negating the fact that God is anything. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's listen to a little bit more of Bonson, uh, because now I want to tackle the, the, basically, are they, are, are presuppositionalists, trying to prove their presuppositions um, and that's that's where I want to go next is that I I'm convinced that the Ventilian apologist does commit the fallacy of uh, circular reasoning or question begging be, because he's basically trying to prove his presuppositions and uh, once again I mean I would just go back to what dr. Gary Crampton says is that that by definition presuppositional presuppositionalism excludes the theistic proofs of God because you have to start with God from the very outset so uh, let's listen to a little bit more of Bonson and I'm going to argue now for the impossibility of the contrary that is within my worldview I can explain to you why there is logic in my worldview I can explain to you why there is causality in my worldview I can explain to you why there are moral absolutes why I believe that human beings are free and have dignity. But in your worldview, there couldn't be any logic. Why not? Well, matter in motion, that's your worldview. The logic isn't material and it's not in motion. The laws of logic are abstract entities. The laws of logic are not something you can touch. They're not physical. The laws of logic are universal in application. They're not particular, temporal events or experiences. And they're absolute. They're without qualification. And so within your worldview, there could be no laws of logic. Some of you who have heard some of my debates know that this is the approach I took um, at the University of California, Irvine, when I debated um, Gordon Stein. I said, in essence, your atheistic worldview doesn't comport with the laws of logic. However, debate, in the nature of the case, debate requires that there be laws of logic by which we evaluate arguments. Therefore, by coming to the debate, Dr. Stein, you lost. <laughs> by coming to the debate, you affirmed laws of logic, but your worldview doesn't comport with laws of logic. And so what we are doing here, the debate itself only makes sense, what? within the Christian worldview. So that's an indirect proof from the impossibility of the contrary. If what you say is true, we shouldn't be debating because there's no laws of logic by which we debate. All right. So in that in that clip, uh, Bonson, I think he says a lot of good stuff. Um, one of the things that he says is that, uh, you know, you, you uh, in, in tackling atheism, he says that atheism can't account for the laws of logic, that atheism, and, and I actually wrote an article on uh, Christianity and logic, in which I, that I basically say some of the same things, that empiricism can't account for uh, the laws of logic, that the rationalists can't account for the laws of logic, that, athe that the atheistic worldview can't account for the laws of logic, and, and I'm I'm writing an article uh, about morality in which I'm basically saying the same thing as well about morality that the atheistic worldview can't account for can't rationally justify uh, any moral judgment. The reason that this last clip was better or what 
was um, more accurate the way uh, Bonson used the argument was even though I think he did say that he's that he you know you prove the the you you you're proving something but what he the meth the method he was describing was actually an an ad hominem argument and and by trying to refute uh, uh, Gordon Stein and make him look like a fool uh, using his own uh, worldview or assumptions against him and so that's what is that's really the only proper way to use um, the kind of arguments that they're trying to use to prove the existence of God because they're not what they're not actually they don't actually prove anything but they do help you you can use them to refute your opponent's worldview by reducing them to absurd by uh, drawing the implications of what their their assumptions are to either absurdity or contradiction and that's what he was saying about you know you came to this debate and you basically just refuted yourself because you're according to your uh, uh, worldview uh, there is no logic or reason or rhyme because it's just matter and motion or whatever. All right, so you know what, man? Uh, unfortunately, I'm looking at the time and we are out of time. So we're going to have to stop this episode right here, uh, almost mid thought. But uh, there are some. There's a lot of good thoughts. So uh, lots of them. Looking forward are, to it. Yeah, I, I I hate to do this, um, but we're we're gonna have to pick this up next time, and um, we we want to just say to our Vantillion friends out there, uh, you know, we th th this is this is not, um, we're not trying to do this arrogantly. We're not trying to attack people. Uh, we're trying to basically come alongside them and and commend them for their their veracity in defending the faith, can commend them for their, their boldness in proclaiming the gospel. Man, these, these guys are brothers in the Lord, and they are awesome for going out there and proclaiming Christ uh, and Him crucified and proclaiming the, the gospel and uh, calling people to repent. So, uh, you know, I, I don't see a lot of, uh, I don't see a lot of, uh, you know, classicists, out there <laughs> uh, doing doing this but you do see a lot of presuppositionalists out there and we would commend them uh, we're wanting to come alongside them and point out some things that are wrong so that they'll stop saying them and in doing that also uh, we, we we're gonna have to finish up uh, this episode next week and then from there we're going to go into how the Clarkian uses a transcendental argument and we're, we're going to make the case that the Clarkian actually uses the transcendental argument in the appropriate way. It'll be in a not next week but the week after that that we'll explain in detail the Clarkian method so I hope you stay with us for this and uh, and then we're gonna have to come back and wrap up the LGBTQ uh, agenda stuff but we just both really wanted to take a, a break from the LGBTQ agenda and unfortunately we could talk about that forever because there is so much going on right now so many examples to pull from with uh, what's going on with uh, just the the assault against the Christian position uh, coming from the LGBTQ nightmare that, that is taking place um, and you know we're, we're gonna come back and we're gonna recap that but uh, we want to thank you for joining us uh, this week. Uh, God bless and take care.